thank you everybody for joining my blog once again and uh before we start off on a say a quick word of prayer so we can start everything off right so lord uh, thank you for uh, the opportunity that you've given me to speak into people's lives uh thank you for the teachings that you've laid in my heart and as i uh uh share my my heart with the p- with the listeners lord i pray that you will touch each and every one of their hearts and that they will take whatever i've shared and uh y- apply it to their lives and it's in the name of jesus amen now the purpose of this teaching uh is to explain to you how to live by faith just knowing the scripture that just shall live by faith isn't enough we must know how that looks like day in and day out personally when i graduated from college I had all these high expectations of the things that I'm going to do. I'm going to go change the world for Jesus. I'm going to spread the gospel. And a month after I graduated, I looked around me and none of the plans that I had in my heart panned out. Nothing was happening. And I was getting frustrated with myself because I was like, where, you know, why are things not happening? And then to make matters worse, I will listen to different teachers of the Bible and they will say the same thing like go out there and take the world go and you know the world is right there for you and I will grow frustrated because I want to do that but I will look around and I couldn't do it I couldn't understand how to do that and that really frustrated me and so for a while there I just stopped listening to other preachers I even stopped listening to my heart and I just let my dreams kind of die down and i remember two weeks from two weeks later after just that decision of not listening to other preachers the lord kind of spoke to me it was a very simple statement but it was very radical he said to me this do you believe my word and when he asked me that i was just stunned because by looking at the question it was just simple but the impact i don't even know how to explain the impact that that one simple statement made in my heart and what the lord continued to explain to me after that was circumstances don't determine what you believe but what you believe will change your circumstances and it took me a while to kind of wrap my hand around my head around that statement because i was looking at the circumstances in my life at the time and there was nothing nothing looked like was ever going to happen. And so what the Lord said to me on top of that after expl- after they saying that statement of circumstances don't change what you believe but what you believe changes circumstances, he said to me that my responsibility is only to believe him and it's and his responsibility is to bring to pass what I believe. And that right there set a foundation that I to this day I live by. And so days after that revelation I began to get into the word I began to try to understand what do you mean by that that my responsibility is only to believe and then the more I got into that the more I, I ran into the topic of faith the more I got I ran into scriptures that talked about faith and then I began to see that for you to live a prosperous life faith has to be somehow involved and that's kind of what I'm going to talk to you about today I'm going to talk to you about faith development. And before we start talking about faith development, we're going to start the the ABCs of faith. We're going to start with understanding what faith is, how it comes, what it go, how does it work. So but before we go into all that, 
I want to answer this question. Why is faith important? And I've kind of mentioned it a little bit, but I want us to look at some scriptures that talk about the importance of faith. And the first scripture I want us to look at is uh, Hebrews 11.6. Now, this is in the he- uh, Hebrews 11, everybody knows is the Faith Hall of Fame. This is where you see, you know, by faith Abraham did this, by faith Noah did this, you know, that. Every time, I love reading that chapter because it kind of gives me goosebumps because I see simple people with really nothing better. They had nothing, there's nothing that they did that I can say was better than me. But what made them legends in, in, in the Christian world is they simply believed God and they went out there and accomplished wonderful things. And so in this chapter, we're going to jump into Hebrews eleven six and look at what it says. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, talking about God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Another scripture I want us to look at is uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 to 5. And this is what this says. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world by he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, these two scriptures show us two very important things. Because it, the first one in Hebrews eleven six tells us, for you to please God, you must have faith. And that second scripture tells us, for you to overcome and have a successful life, you're going to need your faith. So right there, you see, faith is very instrumental in if you want to accomplish anything big anything that God has put in your heart so let's go to the let's go to let's go to the beginning what is faith because before you can understand what faith is and you can understand how to apply it you must know what it is so I guess we're, we're going to stay there in Hebrews 11 because uh, that's so far that is the best definition of faith that I've seen in the that I've come across in the Bible and we're going to st- go to Hebrews 11 1 and this is what it says. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'll read it again. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now that word substance right there, I looked it up in the dictionary and this is what it says. Substance is a kind of matter with uniform properties, the real physical matter of which a person or thing consists and which has a tangible and solid presence in other words faith is hope materialized I'll read that definition again faith is hope materialized so for you to understand faith you must know what hope is and how to get hope because the genesis of faith is hope now let's now, the w- question that we're going to attempt to answer is what is hope? For that, go with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Uh, chapter 2, verse 12. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. This is what this says. That Actually, let's start from 11 so you can have better context. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh and whenever you see Gentiles in the Bible it's talking about non-Jewish people 
And so he's saying Gentiles in the flesh, he's talking about our birthrights. We're not, we're not of Jewish descent. We are non-Jews. So therefore that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. I'll read that last part again because that's what I'll really emphasize. Uh, having no hope, actually I'll back up a little bit. Actually I'll just read the whole of 12 because it makes it, I can't really take anything out here. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. See what you see, actually before I proceed, I want to, I want to give you the definition of hope because I, I should have done that first. According to the dictionary, hope is to anticipate usually with pleasure. That's the uh, definition of hope. To anticipate usually with pleasure. So now when you read Ephesians 2.12, I'm going to replace hope with a definition which is to anticipate usually with pleasure. And this is how it goes. That at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no anticipation with pleasure and without God in the world. So with that definition right there, it shows that the source of our hope is in the covenants of promise. That's where we get, our s that's where we get hope from. And if you notice that the word covenants is in plural, if you it says covenants of promise and that what that means to me is all the covenants in the Bible were about one promise and that promise is Christ and so I'm gonna give you like a quick rundown of the major covenants in the Bible and uh, in all if you, if you look at all the covenants and what a covenant is it's pretty much a contract you know we will probably say a contract you know a today language but what makes a covenant different from a contract is typically a covenant is a life or death thing if you break the covenant either somebody has to die or a steep price has to be paid that's the difference the major difference anyway and so all the covenants in the bible they were they are different seals and that's one of the major things about a covenant is within a covenant you're gonna have promises you're gonna have conditions and you're gonna have a seal and there are six major covenants in the bible i will only give you the seal of each covenant but i'll tell you where you can find it where he talks about them and then you can go find the promises and the uh the conditions but the first one and the last one i'll give you all three so that you can kind of see how it works but the other from number two to number five you're on your own all right so the first covenant remember all these covenants the purpose of it was about one promise and that promise is jesus christ and it's through jesus that we get hope and hope the definition is to anticipate usually with pleasure now the first covenant that you see is adam's covenant and this was supposed to be sealed with the tree of life and you can find that in genesis 1 to genesis 2 
but we know what he did. So the promises of this covenant was found in Genesis 1, 26, where you shall have dominion of uh, all birds of the air and all that. And the uh, condition was don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the seal was going to be the tree of life. But we know what happened. The second covenant that you see is Noah's covenant. And with Noah's covenant, I'll only give you the seal here, but I'll tell you where it's found so you can find the other two. It was sealed with the rainbow. And you can find that in Genesis chapter 8 through Genesis chapter 9. The third covenant is Abraham's covenant. And this was sealed with circumcision. And you can find this from Genesis 15 all the way through Genesis 17. The fourth covenant is Moses' covenant. And this was sealed with the sacrifices. And you can find that in uh, Genesis chapter 19 from verse 5 to 6. And then jump to Genesis 20 through 24. The fifth covenant is David's covenant. And this was sealed with praise and worship. And you can find that in Second Samuel chapter 7 verse 1 through 17. And the sixth covenant, this is the one that we currently are in today. It has many different names. Some people call it the covenant of salvation. Some people call it the covenant of grace. Some people call it the eternal covenant. And the promise of this covenant is we will be one with Christ, we'll be one with God. That's the promise. The condition is you have to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the seal is that the God, the Holy Spirit, will come in you and seal your spirit. And you can find that in Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, from verse 3 to 14. Now, I just gave you like a quick rundown of all the, of all those covenants. There's so much, so much uh, teaching that if you truly understand the covenants and how they operate, it would change your Christian walk. Now, like I said before, all these covenants were for one person only, Jesus Christ. They all point to Jesus because Jesus is the source of our hope. Now, Go with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. This is what it says. Because right now, remember, the question that we're answering is this. What is hope? Because we found out that faith is hope materialized. And we know faith is an imperative thing for us to have as we, if you want to have a successful Christian walk. And so we have to know what hope is so we can have a better understanding of, of faith. So this is from the New King James Version I'm reading from. And this is Colossians 1.27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, when we become one with Christ, we can anticipate all the glory of God to manifest in our lives. Now, the word glory, if you look at in the Greek, because remember, the New Testament was written in Greek. So if you look at the word glory in Greek, the root word for glory, it means to expose to the eyes or to give evidence or proof of a thing or to show by words or teach. So if you summarize Colossians 1.27 with the definition of hope, 
and the definition of glory, this is what you get. And this, I hope, will give you a better understanding of what I'm trying to get across. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the evidence of this, of this mystery, which is the anointing in you, or your new nature, that makes you to anticipate with pleasure all the words of Christ. And the point I want you to get from that is this. Once you have Christ as your Lord and Savior, He, he is your source of hope. Now you, be, you can begin to hope for a better life. Now you can begin to hope for a better spouse. Everything changes because Christ is the source of hope. And if you continue to grow in Christ, this hope will turn into faith. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, so let me go back a little bit. Now, Let's turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I want you to see this. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And this is, for a believer, this verse is paramount. This is, and actually I want to read this from the King James Version. I just like the way it sounds. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, things all behold all things are new. And before I explain that, go with me to this other scripture. Galatians two twenty, because there's a big connection here. And remember, this this is all for the quest of understanding what hope is. I am crucified. This is Galatians two twenty. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, these two scriptures, they show us and they tell us what happened when we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. Second Corinthians tell us that we are new creature. We have all things have passed away. I'm a new creature. Now I have Christ in me. Galatians 2.20 tells me now, now that I have Christ in me, He's the one that's living through me. And for the next session, I'll, I'll, be, I'll continue this faith development. I will talk more about Galatians 2.20, so I won't spend so much time right now explaining, but for the next time, we'll get into Galatians 2.20 because there's a lot in that scripture. So these two scriptures tell us how we how we got Christ. Because remember, Christ is our source of hope. So, when you got born again, Christ came in you, and he began to show you things. Remember what Christ, actually, uh, in the book of John, Christ says that it's imperative for him to go so that he can send uh, the helper, talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, when he comes in you, he will show you things to come. So when I got born again, the Holy Spirit lived, moved inside of me, and He's the one that, He's like my, uh, actually, uh, Jesus says it better, and I believe it's in John 4, 14, He says, uh, talking about the Holy Spirit, there's a water that, actually, let's, let me turn there, I don't want to butcher that scripture. So this is John chapter 4, verse 14. I'll, I'll start from verse 13. So this is Jesus talking to the woman at the well. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinks 
of this water shall never thirst shall thirst again talking about the water in the well because they were sitting at a well so he's saying whoever drinks this water in the well you will thirst again but whosoever drinketh of the water that i shall give him shall never thirst but the water that i shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life and what christ is talking about here is talking about the holy spirit when the holy spirit comes in you he will begin to be like a ever everlasting water and one of the things if you put it in the context of what we're talking about the holy spirit will begin to give you hope hope to continue living if you almost want to end your life hope for it will give you hope that you can have a better life than what you're having he'll give you hope that you can uh, have a better husband that's why he's the source of our hope now i think i've labored that point enough i think we can continue now here's now the question after knowing what hope is and who is our source of hope the question we must ask is how does hope lead to faith because it's great to be hopeful but hope is always in the future and faith but faith is now that's the difference between the two hope is always about future tense faith is about present tense and that's why if you the re- if you look at Hebrews 11:1 it says now faith it's now it's not about tomorrow faith is never about tomorrow now so the promises in the covenant are the ones that give us hope and we must first locate the promise that we need this is talking about how do we how does hope lead into faith look at this uh, scripture in Joshua chapter 1 this is one of my all-time favorite scriptures that the lord spoke to me i believe uh this must be uh, about 3 years ago now and when he told me about this scripture it completely changed my uh christian walk every it was a, it was a powerful scripture at the time and to to this day this is Joshua 1:8 this book of the law shall not depart out of your of out of your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success he says this if you put in the context of what we're talking about because we're talking about Christ is the source of our hope and actually before i talk about the scripture i have we have we're going to take like a little we're going to go a longer route on this journey I was trying to go through a shortcut but let's go through this long route. When we get born again, Christ comes in you. And one of the very first things the Holy Spirit will always lead you to do is to begin to study the word. He will always lead you to the word because uh let's go to John chapter 1. So you can see what I'm talking about. So you don't think I'm making things up. Now, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god the same was in the beginning with god and if you jump to chapter 14 i'm not chapter 14 but verse 14 it says and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory and the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth so that right there connects christ with his word it tells us jesus when he came in the flesh he used to be the word and then the word came in the flesh so he is the word so in other words what i'm trying to convey is this if christ is the source of our hope we can say that the word of god is the source of our hope 
And what happens is when you get born again, the number one thing the Holy Spirit will do is lead you back to the Word, back to the promises in the covenant because the Word of God is the covenant of God. And you can find all these covenants with the different promises they have and that will be the source of your hope. So in Joshua 1, 8, what Christ is telling us, you must begin to meditate. You must begin to study. You must begin to live in the Word so the Word can take root in your heart and then hope is can begin to be produced. And then in this process, faith is produced. Now, I hope that made sense because that is very, that is the key thing of this whole teaching. If you don't get that, actually, let's just labor on that point a few more times here. The question is this, how does hope lead to faith? We get hope leads into faith when you begin to get in the Word of God and begin to meditate in the Word of God and then in this process the Holy Spirit quickens that word and the best way I can say this is you see yourself doing whatever the word was saying so because if it's a best example I can give you is about healing because if you read through the scriptures you see healing is a very much big part of the covenant that we're in and one thing when I, because I've talked to many sick people, and one of the biggest, and actually with the ones who got healed, one of the biggest testimonies they said is, when they began to see themselves healed, is when it happened, and what happens is that is a product of the Holy Spirit. He begins to show you different pictures of yourself healed, and then that's how you, that's the process from hope to faith. When you see yourself healed, faith is born. Now, when since we're talking about faith, the most important thing that I've ran across is this question, does the amount of faith matter? Because different teachers talk about different things. Some will say you have to have a f big size of faith to move towards. Some say, you know, it doesn't matter. So let's go back to the Word and find out what does the Word says about the amount of faith. And... Go with me to Luke 17 and see what Jesus said. Luke 17. And let's just start from verse 1. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 10. This is what it says. Then said he, actually let me switch to the New King James Version because I'm not good with all the vows and the V's. Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses shall come but woe to him through whom they do come. It will be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, than he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the disciples say to the Lord, increase our faith. That's a very di direct statement talking about increasing our faith. Look at the response by Jesus. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, 
and it will obey you. And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But he will not but will he not rather say to him, prepare something for me, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty. So this is what Jesus is trying to tell us. The amount of faith doesn't matter. It doesn't, because he says, if you have faith as small as the size of a mustard seed. But in the parable about the servant, what he's trying to say is, faith is like your servant. And when your servant is working for you, until he finishes the things that you've told him to do, then he can rest. So what he's talking about faith is, it's not the size, it's the consistency of the faith. How long are you willing to believe for a job, for a spouse, whatever it is that you're trying to believe God for? Because the major thing, a lot of, uh, uh, the best I can say this is this. A lot of Christians have short bursts of faith where they get excited about something. And then two seconds later, when it doesn't happen, they give up. That's how we typically live our faith walk. But what Jesus is saying, it's not about having a big size of faith. It's about staying in there until your servant, which is faith, has accomplished what you have sent it out to do. And so, in this, whenever you hear any faith talking, it's always remember that it's all about consistency and that is kind of where i'm going to stop today because next time we will pick up from we'll continue in talking about faith and we'll focus more on galatians 2:20 because that is kind of this today was level one and le- next week we'll go to level two so i hope what i was preaching made sense to you and if you have any questions you can just uh, contact me in the contact page on on the blog, and let me just give a quick prayer to kind of end uh, this time that we had. Uh, thank you, Lord, for what you've taught me and uh, giving me this opportunity to share that with the with the listeners. And I just pray for them, Lord, as they go on about their lives, that you will bless them and you will keep them. And it's in the name of Jesus, Amen.